Hello there, and welcome to the Hallow Weekly Horror Podcast for September 23rd, the Who Won Horror in 2005 episode. Will The Descent claim the prize from the bottom up, or are you going to feel hostile about our final answer? Before we get to this show, make sure you subscribe and leave a review if you can. Anywhere you get your podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. I saw two reviews come in last week, but it's still kind of the land of the dead over there. So help us out if you can. Enjoy the show. Uh, so if you're listening for the first time, uh, this is going to be a fun episode. We're gonna th- th- we're gonna we're gonna get real scrappy on this one and decide who won the year. 2005. Right. So we did an episode on this before. It was called Who Won Horror in 1987, I believe. And I, you know, I was like, let's, there's other years that are interesting. So some years actually aren't interesting when you think about, uh, like William Friedkin or William Peter Blatty or whoever won 1973, like The Exorcist won 1973, right? Like, there's yeah, the- there's certain years where it's just a no. <laughs> right, but there are years that are interesting. So 2005, I swear I found like eight different answers to who won horror in 2005 when I was trying to figure out how I was going to answer this question. I, I had more right. trouble with this than 87, which is a way better year for horror. The 2005. There's, there's there's one answer in here that I think most people will sort of you know divert their eyes to, but there's there's a few other years I was looking at like um, 2002 is a really interesting one. Mm-hmm. 2001 I think would actually be a really fun episode to do next because there's um, it's a dookie year to be honest. Well, yeah, <laughs> but there's a couple of huge curveballs in 2001. <laughs> there right. there are. But depending on on you know how you were you know what movies you had access to, it might not be the that, that's that's very true. And then and then you know it was also I remember from when we would ask you know people who listen to the podcast or follow the Facebook page you know what was the best horror movie of eighty three or eighty one or they they it was never almost never clear cut. There were like big time mm-hmm. showdown fights between a couple of movies that were beloved and it was always like, you got to pick lost boys or fright night or whatever. Right. So like some of them were just not obvious. And I think this is going to be a really, really fun year. I'm excited to hear what you, cause we don't tell each other in advance, but mostly what, what the answers are going to be. So I'm really curious to see what you came up with. And it's not like a single handed film, by the way. Right. Right. Like we, we have, it's our podcast. No rules. So we give you whatever you want. Like, yeah. So- cause if, if, cause if we, if we did it by movies, I think everyone there'd be, I think there would be a, pretty unanimous vote on what it would be well i don't know if it'd be unanimous i mean there's a lot of people where a movie hits them because they saw it at a certain age i mean you would think jason x would be the best horror movie of whatever well, year wait till we do the 2001 <laughs> so you, better, you better believe right that's what i'm saying but that's so there's going to be some niche answers for sure but i i if if you just did it by critical acclaim it's pretty clear that neil marshall's the descent would win the year it won the year in terms of it was both a critical and an audience success 
it was it was actually scary where a lot of horror movies aren't. At least it was actually scary for the time. It was an incredible all female cast, so it was pushing boundaries ahead of its time. Like kind of. So I mean, yeah, for sure that movie. Like you know, I don't have to fight too hard um, to, to to say that that movie is awesome. But the thing is, this when I was thinking about this, like when I was thinking about like the same formulation for 1987, is it like super clear cut? And I don't know that this is so much better than than anything else on the list, like that it's like just a runaway winner where we don't have to think about it. Because mm-hmm. for me, anyway, like I love The Descent. Don't get me wrong. I actually I have uh, like literal books on the movie The Descent. But it's you know it's if you made me if you made me pick a desert island choice of taking one of these two movies and you made it Land of the Dead or The Descent. I'm taking Land of the Dead, right? So it's not like I could just vote the descent and walk away. So I was like, we got to fight for some other stuff in this year. Um, I don't know if you felt the same or if you just felt like the descent got it. <laughs> What's that? The- Do you think the descent is so much better than what we're about to talk about? I I think the descent is extremely good, but I was thinking. So I was thinking about it like this, like you know, Halloween's you know October's here in just you know a couple days. Right. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, you're doing like a 31 days of Halloween kind of deal and you're, you're planning on a movie and, you know, you, you have to use a handful of movies from 2005. Would I put the descent up there? Right. And I was looking at some of the other picks and I was like, I don't I don't know. Right. Don't right. Think, like if it's Halloween afternoon and it's about to be dusk and, you know, obviously you're going to pick other like whatever. But if you're stuck between the descent or skeleton key, <laughs> right? Like the descent, yeah, yeah. the descent's a better movie. <laughs> But like I feel like Skeleton Key is more of a Halloween. Like if you put a gun, if you put a gun to my head, I would, honest to God, I think having say you're having friends over, right? You know, you you know, chowing down some food, having a good time, and you want like a fun like horror movie time, right? I'd I'd go with House of Wax, (laughs) right? Like you know, well, I mean, that's the thing is you don't generally think fun for certain kinds of horror, at least. At the time, it's interesting. It's also interesting how, like, 2005, especially sitting, you know, at this point of the, the pandemic, is, like, well, it feels a long time ago. But I, I there are movies. So, for example, the George C. Scott movie, The Changeling. I can't imagine that was a fun movie of the time. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. Right? But I have fun watching it now. right? And I might feel the same way about The Descent in 2030 <laughs> but right now right. it's still a very polished very mean very interesting horror movie but not the kind of movie you throw on as like a double bill with like tucker and dale or whatever right so no. so there are there are other things going on in this year but i'm i i've got i i i'm gonna be honest with you i there's a movie lurking in this year that that i like I think is legitimately as good as the descent that's basically invisible to any, really? to the horror community, at least from what I can detect, because I can't, I, I've never seen a pose. Like our, our, our Facebook group is 30,000 members or whatever. And I don't think I've ever seen a post about this movie in three years of running the group. Right? Is it, is it because it's Hellraiser debtor? <laughs> no. And I have seen, that no, I have seen posts about Hellraiser debtor. I've seen, I'll just give you an example of an absurd statistic. I would imagine I've seen 
2,000% more posts about Poltergeist <laughs> than I have about this movie I'm about to talk about. But but it, that's the thing. is I think there's more in this year than meets the eye, which is part of why I love doing this kind of segment. So, But you you hit me first. got to tell me. Pick one that you... Oh, th- dude, you're going to love my... Okay, I'm, so we each, picked, we each picked three things that we think won the year in a particular order. Right, third, so bronze, place, silver, gold is how I was thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. What you Hear got? me out. What you got? So I think the third place winner for the year of 2005, and hear me out, Remember. is six minute abs. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I think I just had a because, stroke. I think no, you, you said six minute abs, right? That's right. I didn't say seven minute abs. No, I said six, you didn't say six, six minute abs. You didn't. <laughs> okay, go ahead. No. And, and, Nine inch and nails? That is, is, that what you, is that what you meant nope, to say? Nope. We're okay. going, nope. We're going with, we're going with six all minute right, abs. All right. So and this is tell me. solely because of Ryan Reynolds and Andy Oh Ford. my God, that's right. <laughs> that... There's no way, as a dude, you watch the Amity Horror <laughs> and you don't think to yourself what it's done. Like, maybe I should do a couple crunches before that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe it wouldn't hurt. That, that, so, fu- it's funny because not only did that become legendary instantly, right? There's some things that take time to become legendary. But that became legendary. Dude, he's like chopping wood shirtless in the rain. That was the (laughs) fitness version of the Crispin Glover dance from Friday the 13th. Like that was. Dude, (laughs) his abs are absurd in this movie. Like they're just, they're glistening. They're cut. But also who would have thought what Ryan Reynolds would become? Really? I mean, we, I guess, did we sense it at that point? Where were we with Ryan Reynolds in 2000? Well, you know, it's funny. I'm looking that up. I'm trying to see when the movie Van Wilder came out. Right. <laughs> that would be the, right? That's, Van Wilder was 2002. So I think he was coming off of the being, you know, like the, the funny, you know, kind of, kind of dude. So right. Amityville Horror kind of a. Yeah, he like no. he like made me think of Mike Judge somehow for a while, and then it just all changed. So, but now he's literally a studio and multimedia entrepreneur and all this incredible <laughs> shit. So the he fact that back Rick the, the fact that you're you're also assigning him the win to the year in horror because of his fucking abs is like Ryan Reynolds well, is just winning all over the place. Good job. I mean, I mean. Look. Let's face it, the Amityville Horror, the Ryan Reynolds one, the Amityville Horror is not, you know, a beacon of great <laughs> franchise. You know what I mean? Like The Amityville I mean, Horror is not the seal of quality? Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, I mean, there's so many of I think they. I think they make one every four months. Yeah, yeah <laughs> my it's, math checks, it's by law. My yeah, math checks yeah, out. It's exactly. Um, it's the so only I'm, thing. Gonna, it's the only thing Congress does is they just pass bills mandating the Amityville horror movies twice a year. Yeah, because I think I think the budget they need for it's about twenty six grand, <laughs> and you can you can make yourself another Amityville. Now movie. I I will fight for the first original one and the first sequel Amityville two, and also you know a couple moments down the line, and then the remake I think has uh, some interesting stuff. But I, you're right. I mean, it's all in all that that. That became a really soggy franchise. In terms, and, it's, of and, and honestly, I do, I do really enjoy the 2005 Amityville Horror. Like, I was the right age. Like, I think yep. it was middle school at that time, yep. or yeah, eighth grade or something like that at that time. So, it had. It, I mean, the scares were pretty good. Like that bathroom scene, I thought was was really. I mean, that's you know, I was when I was looking up 
photos of uh, six minute abs over here. And that photo <laughs> in the bathroom camp, and that you know that creature thing, you know that little like ghost or whatever is, you know, he's got some pretty creepy eyes on him. So yeah, <laughs> kind of wigs me out every time. But... <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because there was a moment there where um, it got weird, or or I'm misremembering it. I'm not sure, but. It was, I was seeing behind the scenes features about how Ryan Reynolds was in character the whole time. So he was basically like Jack Torrance, but around the clock, right? So mm -hmm. that couldn't have been fun for whoever had to like bring him sandwiches or like whatever, right? Because <laughs> he's, he's like in character as the end stage of The Shining. You're the PA bringing bagels to set and he like shoots, starts shooting at you. Plus it's Ryan Reynolds. No one believes you. Like later at the bar when you're like, everyone's like, you're not going to believe what happened to me. I was working with, you know, friggin' Rod Steiger today and he kicked my ass. <laughs> he, li he literally kicked me in my ass because he thinks he can get away with anything because, you know, he's friends with Frank Sinatra or whatever. And then the other guy's like, yo, you ain't heard nothing. What do you hear what Ryan Re Van Wilder <laughs> Van Van Wilder was, was was scaring the shit out of me. Like that's not gonna that's uh, not gonna go over well with them. so yeah I, I'm with I think it's a, a pretty hilarious choice. In fact looking at the photos now I'm like man maybe I should go on a walk or something. <laughs> End the podcast time to get some to work. Yeah let's we'll finish this later. <laughs> the podcasting is notoriously bad on the physique. So um I like that. I um, I just want to say, you know, because we're going to do more in the series, it's not always going to be amorphous concepts. There, sometimes there's. I'm just going to. We did it in 1987, where you just picked a clear, a clear winner that's either a person or a movie or a book. Speaking of, what a terrible goddamn year for books this was for horror in for 2005. Oh yeah, because this it was the weird phenomenon of this book called the Historian, right? Which was uh, if you can imagine taking all of the parts of Dracula that are the parts, the transition parts where they're writing letters to each other, telling each other like the cucumber sandwiches and tea they were having and imagine focusing on that instead of Dracula. Right. And you got this, mm -hmm. this story in. and it became this huge phenomenon and it kind of crowded out. There was a lot of good horror being published that year. Like Brian Keene, a lot of other people were doing Really interesting stuff. Thomas Ligotti had stuff. He's always amazing. But, but man, all anyone could talk about was the story in that year. So whatever. Anyway, weird sidetrack. My choice for the winner of horror in two thousand. No, the third. The third, sorry, the bronze medal. <laughs> the, bronze, the bronze medal for for two thousand five in horror is grit. And you know what's funny is I'm I moved this up from two to three because it's so interesting how it's knocking against. Grit. Yeah, how it's knocking against. You're what you picked because what you picked was like it was six minute abs, like the picture of health and like whatever. And I'm telling you, man, you know, I except for Japanese horror, at least on the mainstream top layer level, 2002 and three, it felt like kind of horror was really in a weird spot cinematically, right? It was it was really glossy stuff and urban legendy stuff and like I, I it was not um it was not uh it was fine it was doing what it was doing but mm -hmm. there's a grittiness that horror had you know ironically since we're talking about the changeling in the 70s that 
that came back in a weirdly big way <laughs> in 2005. And I love how it did it. So here's the funny part. I want to blow your mind while we're on the descent for a second. So Neil Marshall, the reason the descent is the one of the reasons that the descent is the way it is, is that Neil Marshall, Neil Marshall thought dog soldiers was too funny. <laughs> Right. Then he had gone too over the top. It wasn't scary enough. He ended up thinking he made a black comedy when he actually wanted to make a, a basically what he said was in his heart was he wanted a tribute to 70s classics of horror. He wanted hard hitting, brutal, survival, back to the basics horror. Right. So he was like going deliverance on everyone <laughs> when, when, when he made the descent. And then zombies were getting, you know, very, very, you know, very popular, suspiciously popular. Right. We were heading towards the warm bodies era of, of zombiedom or whatever. And then the, the maestro comes out, George Romero, with what is really the end of the dead sequence right like yeah that is that is, the real conclusion me, that, yeah. <laughs> right i mean and you love land of the dead I, but land of the dead is george romero was always gritty all like he always had mm -hmm. that real feel that you, you sort of almost you you were in his world but you were you were like 98 percent in the world of the movie and two percent on set somehow <laughs> Right. You always felt you were sort of there with George, right? So I don't know how he conveyed that, but it was this amazing feeling. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't hanging out in the in the back, you know, telling like everyone what to do and to get everyone running and get stuff and not get his hands dirty or whatever. I mean, he was a filmmaker, right? So um, he was bringing some grit. And then, you know, it was just, to me, really the, 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 un, the movie I was telling you about, the one that no one had really kind of talked about that I had seen in any substantial way was the jacket right now. The jacket is this amazing Adrian Brody sort of Jacob's laddery horror film where Nick, you know how you <laughs> Nick, listen to me, man, you know how you were telling me all the time about how Ryan Reynolds buried, you know, gets to you because of that claustrophobia buried alive feeling. Oh yeah. yeah There's yeah. a guy in this movie who gets put into a morgue drawer and they nice. put you in the morgue drawer with them. And Nick, I swear to God, the only thing you can hear in the morgue drawer the first time you're introduced to it are his eyes. All you're hearing is eyes. <laughs> I don't know eyes? how I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but you're hearing just hearing that wet little eye looking back and forth is one of the creepiest sound moments. I, I'm telling you, man, it's so weird. But this is a very, very interesting movie. It's Kira Knightley. It's Adrian Brody. Like it's it's a very, very, very dark um, kind of thriller. Like I said, very Jacob's Lannery. But also was super gritty. And, and you know, Adrian Brody, like, apparently really, he had the director, he wanted to do it right, so he had the director put him in the morgue drawer for real. Oh, my God. And apparently he had kind of a mini breakdown in the, you think? In the morgue drawer. <laughs> and used it for the... <laughs> but he used it for the performance. But you know how you love in uh, Split, how James McAvoy is cycling through these different personalities? Well... There's sort of a almost ahead of Christopher Nolan a little bit time jumpy thing going on where Adrian Brody has to play a very competent, very confident kind of uh, 
problem-solving guy and then a completely shattered person who's just lost and has no idea, basically incapacitated. And he cycles through both of them, sometimes mid-scene. And it's friggin' amazing. Mm. It's just amazing stuff. So um, there was a lot of gritty horror in 2005, and I love that it came back. You're talking about grit, and, you know, I have in front of me, like, you know, you know, popular horror movies from 2005, and all of the posters for everything that came out in 2005 looks like it needs to be power washed. Right, it's like (laughs) Saw 2, Devil's Rejects, Hard Candy, Wolf Creek. Wolf Creek is made out of dirt. (laughs) (laughs) It needs a little detail job. (laughs) Right? (laughs) On some of these dudes. And Land of the Dead is literally about taking all the fancy people's stuff and grinding it into the dirt, <laughs> right? Like Devil's Rejects. I mean, come on. Exorcism of Emily Rose is not only is that a dirty, you know, kind of uh, exorcisms always get gross, <laughs> right? You can't have mm-hmm. like you can't have like the the hand sanitizer, hand wipes version of exorcisms. Those well, also, I mean, if you just want to talk about like mm-hmm. you know pure grossness you know uvi ball made a movie that year you know <laughs> not, not, not too far out yeah he's made of dirt too so yeah anyway that, I, there's nothing else to say on this i covered it i sold it it it's not it, ultimately i couldn't go with as my number one because i think the number one is a clearer win but i really do like that horror got gritty all right what you got for your silver medal second place all right now I don't know if this is <laughs> for better or for worse, uh, but I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my silver medal to 2005 um, European travel. <laughs> oh my god, hostile hell yeah! Speaking of yeah. speaking of grit, all right, hit me. Tell me why this is, dude. I remember like this was like so like I was uh, after like reviewing like what all came out in 2005, you know like. There are there are some undoubtedly like good movies like you know the Sand House of Wax and Evil Horror, but like Hostel was like probably one of the last movies I've ever like had the 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 not I don't know I don't want to say normie because I think that's kind of a cringy word but like the norm like the like I remember like a newspaper article coming out in Springfield about like this new like horror film from the cabin fever guy right. called hostile. Right. And like the, and just like the sheer hype around it. Totally. And so, and, and I, and I'll never forget that experience of like going to like the movie theater at the mall. That's like way long gone now. Like, like that shit's been closed for, yep. for years. And like, I think it was like one of the first experiences I had of seeing a horror movie where people were like yelling at the screen. <laughs> What were they yelling? I just a lot of obscenities. <laughs> Run, get out of there! That that that, that kind of shit. That's amazing. Um, but like you know, it's funny. People always talk about like you know, Jaws made them scared to like you know go into the water or something like that. I remember because I was looking at I was fourteen that year, and I remember, I remember like you know I was I wasn't a jet setter at the age of fourteen. I wasn't traveling, hitting the world up. But I remember having that idea of like. Like what if like Europe's <laughs> like like that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it planted that seed of like, well, what? Let's just let's just think this through for so European for a travel lost two thousand five. That's why I said for better or worse. Regardless, <laughs> regard even if you lose, we still got to pin that medal. That's on you. true. I agree. I, that's completely... we still got to pin that. 
that metal it's funny it's funny you flag that because that's interesting it's always obviously a lot of this is determined by the age in which you encountered certain your formative horror things right but mm -hmm. you you it, there was a sense that somehow hostel was made horror dangerous again a little bit on the mainstream side right yeah where it was it, it felt like one of those movies that might give someone a bad idea <laughs> right and yeah, yeah and yeah. it had like a bad reputation so it 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 that was that's interesting that it happened because you don't you every every marketing team for every horror movie ever made is trying to do that, and it, it, even if you get mm -hmm. it, it doesn't mean that you automatically your movie's good, right? Like Cannibal Holocaust probably got it, <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, yeah. But it, it does mean that you got something that everyone's trying to get, and and not a lot of people get there. And this movie definitely did that, so that's interesting. And I also remember like that time frame, like you know. Eli Roth made some other stuff, you know, more recently. I'm not the biggest Eli Roth fan. It's sort of like how I think we feel about like Rob Zombie, like, you know, they have they have like the vast wealth of knowledge when it comes to horror movies and, you know, hearing them talk sometimes can be very <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> you know, that last Eli Roth on Joe Bob was pretty <laughs> repetitive. Pretty, yeah. pretty yeah, I just remember all his answers were, you know, I think you'd have to ask uh, the director and writer. Um <laughs> But I also remember like 2005, like at that time being like in middle school as like a horror fan, like e Eli Roth's name like meant something back then. Right. Don't, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like, that that happens from time to time. And then there's a time where you just can't recapture it. Like in a weird way, you could say the same thing about Mystery Science Theater, right? There was a there's a decent revival of it and it's offshoots do very entertaining things a lot of the times, mm -hmm. but it's not what the same feeling you would have gotten from it at all. If you had experienced it in real time when it blew up or when it was on just on the other side of the, the afterglow blowing up, right? Like it's a really, exactly. it's a very unique thing. And hostile had that vibe and it, it, Eli Roth had the vibe with it and he can't ever get that back. And look, you, you get other different vibes and he's doing fine. No one has to help Eli Roth, but, but that, that's something that, that, some people, weirdly, I don't know how, like a David Lynch, I don't feel like David Lynch now is different from David Lynch at 30, right? And I don't, oh, yeah. I don't feel like anyone processes David Lynch different now than David Lynch at 30, right? Or, or George <laughs> Lucas, for that matter, right? So some people aren't changing, but Eli Roth is definitely not <laughs> what Eli Roth was then, for sure. No, no. And, you know. I remember, I remember going into the theater for that film and being like, I'm going to be so terrified. And then, like, it really wasn't that scary. It just had, like, a lot of cool, <laughs> like, gore effects. And then I was like, oh, okay. Well. <laughs> and then I remember, I remember watching, like, a clip of Hostel 2 online. And I remember being like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was quick. I'm, I'm, I'm good. That, but That was quick. That's weird. But I like Hostel 2 more than Hostel 1. Do you really? Yeah. I was going to ask if when's the last time you've like because I haven't even I should I mean now that we're talking about it when we're done recording this I'm going to like look back at Hostel, <laughs> some scenes from Hostel just to just to see how much they've aged because it's been a long time since I yeah I haven't seen you know, I literally haven't seen them since I first saw them but I I I remember that I thought Hostel two was more it was it was kind of just a rerun of Hostel one but where you could tell someone had thought to themselves. You know, I don't think I did 
I, I nailed A, B, D, and whatever. I see I didn't do well, and E was missing, and then he just fixed it, right? So yeah, uh, well, that was good. The last the last thing I want to say about yep. about Hostel is you know one of the the shows we really liked was the not sorry Bravo's <laughs> Top One Hundred mm-hmm. uh, scariest movie moments, and I'm a hundred percent sure. Hostel's the reason why they did the 30 even scarier moments because it was the number one pick for the 30 even scarier moments. You know, that that's a great point. I mean, it reigned supreme for that brief time, right? I mean, it It, really had it was there, nothing was bigger than it. It was like the same four months that Alice in Chains had. No one was big, no one was bigger than Alice in Chains for in alternative rock for four months, and then it was over. <laughs> but, it is weird that they have the Grudge at number thirty. Dude, they actually have. Listen to this: number twenty-eight on that list was Cabin Fever. So Eli Roth got to like pretty much start the list. He bookended it, yeah, yeah, and end the list. And then it's weird. Basically, not Bravo's thirty or sorry, Bravo's thirty even scarier moments is basically half the films from two thousand five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's why it's, this year is interesting. So, that's so it. I'm pretty sure he's the reason why they they did a they did a second one. I think that's uh, probably those, so. that's probably right. All right, no, so I, I'm with that. I think that's actually better than my number two. I'm not even going to talk that long about my number, the number two one because I want to get to the number one because I I, I love it so much, but. I think um, I think big name or famous actors who didn't usually act in horror movies won 2005. It's absurd when I looked across this. It was like Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper, Ryan Reynolds. Friggin' Kate Hudson made a horror movie in 2005, right? We were just talking about Adrian Brody was in it. That movie had uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh, who does, you know, a decent amount of horror, but um, is still also considered, you know, kind of a mainstream actor. Are you including uh, Paris Hilton in this list? (laughs) Of course, naturally. Okay. Naturally. And um, I think the best performance of, of a legitimate actor who who I think of as as um, he's not quite as famous, but you would definitely know his face. Everyone would know his face, but they might not know his name. Um, is tied for me with someone I can't spoil because it's my number one choice. But Tom Wilkinson of, of uh, Exorcism, Emily Rose, who was in Michael Clayton. He's like a really he's like a Gary Oldman type of actor. Um, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? I think he was in Moulin Rouge. Like that guy is is in like all of Guy Ritchie's movies. Yeah, he's insanely talented, but you don't associate him with horror. But he, he mm-hmm. you know, it's he just he gives a great performance. There's just a lot of you know Ryan Reynolds is all of a sudden playing Jack Torrance, like we were saying. Dennis Hopper, whose cigars were the biggest budget I think item on Land of the Dead, um, you know that we you know you got a star when, when your biggest day budget line item is you know his cigars. Uh, it's just kind of a rich year for. I always like to see. I think I got it from my love of Hitchcock. I, you like to see an actor that people think of as like a Cary Grant type just all of a sudden wander mm-hmm. in and do like a really extreme horror movie. <laughs> right. And not that these are necessarily really extreme or whatever, but I just thought that there was a, you don't think, them. you don't think Robert De Niro and high and seek are sorry. High and seek. Well, I think high and seek is an extreme horror. Movie. I, no, I don't think it's an extreme horror movie. It's extreme. Well, you know, it was, it was extremely 
disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did Cape Fear, so he's good on the horror side for me. But it did make one hundred twenty-seven million dollars, though. So oh well, what are we laughing at? <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I don't need to elaborate on this. I just think it's there are some years and it's, it would be interesting to go back and kind of like look i didn't buy yeah bother yet but i'll, I'll you know i'll go someday um to look over the years and just there's a couple times where all of a sudden you're like wait the best performance in horror was by who because usually it's one of ours right usually it's a the best horror performance is a tony collette or a, you know someone who's who's because even if someone comes in and does a, like a Jack Nicholson move in The Shining, they've done enough horror or dark themed movies where you really don't think of them as a horror actor, but you don't think of them as not a horror actor. Yeah. Right. No, I know exactly. But I absolutely did not think of Ryan Reynolds, Kate Hudson, and Adrian Brody as horror actors at the time. But no, because when did when did the pianist come out? The... <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. I'm typing it into Google. Make sure I spell that right. Um, yeah, 2000, 2002. I think he won like an Oscar for that, didn't he? Or he got right. Yeah, so. this guy's coming off of winning an Oscar. And, you know, that's – Anthony Hopkins is the is the one that kind of blew in and, you know, in the modern sense kind of did that template of, you know, we don't really associate whatever. But even he had Magic, which is one of the great horror movies of all time. And that's what I'm saying is, yeah. is it's, it's rare to get someone who comes in – where you just absolutely don't think of them as horror at all, like a Keanu Reeves, and all of a sudden they just blow, they blow your mind with something they did. I mean, freaking Tilda Swinton's hanging out in the horror field way ahead of the time before her excellent vampire movie uh, that comes much later. But anyway, so that that it's an interesting year, and I'm I'm curious if there's other years where it's a bunch of like you know actors you don't think associate with horror. Who kind of came in and did something great, and then just left and never really came back to horror after after that after, yeah. after that one time visit. All right, what you got? What's your next? All right, my gold medal, my my first place this, this, for who won two thousand five. So this is the actual winner of horror. This is the actual in two thousand five. And what do you got? So I was I was thinking of being funny and giving it to what was it, Madam. What's that? Madam Tussauds Max Museum, Max Museum, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, to, just a goof and, and give a <laughs> shout out. Actually, it's funny. Looking at this list, like I do think House of Wax is probably my favorite horror movie. And I think it's because we just rewatched I Know What You Did last summer. And there's something about like, you know, I, I don't know how to describe the vibe of those movies. Not great, but not terrible. But <laughs> really entertaining. Like whatever that magic is. And I, you know, I remember so, watching the DVD back in 2005, and you know, really digging it. You know, I have a theory about this era of horror, and and it, it basically, I think to myself that it, you got to take, you know, how Hammer and Universal had they had vibes, they had they had an atmosphere. You knew when you were in a Hammer movie, you knew mm -hmm. you knew when you were in a universal horror movie in the in, at the height of it and then even when hammer tried to relaunch and do things like women in black or whatever you the first thing you were judging was are, are they putting me back in that world the atmosphere like right so um i think if you took all of the horror movies from that era you're talking about like late 90s to early 2000s they're an atmosphere they're a vibe all together <laughs> it's like they all were working together to create this like blue black like s sort of slick yeah yeah sort yeah. of urban legendy sort of a glossy 
little bit tongue in cheek. Was like right. I, I I think of it like you know, like when the Earth was forming, it was like that molten you know hot <laughs> mass before it cooled off and figured out what it was. That's 2005 is that year for horror for that for for that decade. That's such a good way to put that. It's exactly right. You know, because um, and I'm glad you said that because I've always you know being like you know 14 like I don't know that's like the prime age to like really dive into like you know something like horror. And what a confusing year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is I really right around from like, I don't know when the faculty was 97, 98, something like that. From that point to to like 2005, maybe even a little past that. I just I it just feels like we're, we're all in the underworld's underworld castle. Right. We're all we're all hanging out with. Free and Kate Beckinsale and all the movies yeah. have kind of that look and sound and the characters are moving and fighting in that same way. And, and it's, I don't know. It's a weird, you know what I right? think it is. I also think it's the fact that, you know, like around 1999, 2000, like I think 2005, I mean, that's when probably DVDs were most accessible. Like I think everyone by that time probably had like a PS2 or something like that that could play, a DVD. So I think it's also the fact that it's a complete format change. Like I don't, by 2005, I'm definitely not running VHSs anymore. That is so interesting. Like, I think the last VHS we rented that I remember, I know this isn't the last one, but it's the last one I have a very vivid memory of having was speaking of, uh, Robert and Nero, uh, meet the parents, which was 2000. So five years later, maybe 2003 is when we stopped getting VHSs. I can't place it exactly, but I know by 2005 we were definitely done with them. That's so I think that I think that format change has something to do with it. Cuz Blu-ray didn't have the same effect because I'm, I'm you know Blu-rays were widely accessible a few years later when the PS3 came out and Yeah, Blu-rays were just in, in, in better DVDs. There wasn't a Yeah, and, and you would look at it and you'd be like is it worth the extra like $22 for the Blu-ray and you're like, "Nah." Right. <laughs> so then you just it, it, it didn't catch on. So I really feel like it went from VHS, DVD to streaming. Like Blu-ray never really had a chance. But I think that's probably why those years felt so strange and weird to me. Um, that's fascinating. That's interesting. I think, I, I think that's right. I think that's I think that that's a big part of why those movies were like that. Which is funny because my winner, uh, I didn't get to watch it when it first aired. But I got to see it through streaming. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> so, well, yeah, figure that out. So my number one... Uh, winner for 2005 is horror anthologies oh good call there's no way i mean you know, i love short horror like anthology like, to me there's nothing better than a good anthology like i i'm a, I'm a huge sucker for it so i gotta give it to masters of horror um leading the way because it's funny is it it, it started call. airing it started airing late 2005 so not all of it made the cut so there's actually three episodes uh wait one two three four Five episodes that didn't make the cut, and that's fine. Oh, actually, Fair Hair Child aired January 6, 2006, and I remember really liking that one. Um, the yeah, one but when last, it was airing, that was it was the vibe of TV for horror. Like, that's, I mean, that kind yeah, of, but that, like, so, wow. so, so let me read you the name of directors. Yeah, I, I'm about to, yeah, I'm about to, who, who, who did season one. I'll, I'll, I'll just do all season one for, for this because it ended February 25th. That's, that's fine. In the new year, the next year doesn't start till March. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows. Um, so you start with episode one with Don Casarelli. I think I said it right. 
<laughs> so you start you start with that with fan with the, with the dude who did Phantasm and Bubba Hotep, mm-hmm. which was another. When did Bubba Hotep come out? Well, that had to be in that era, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. 2000, oh, 2000, 2002. Yep. Okay, because that was another one of those movies where I was like, "What is this?" Okay, so then you go to my boy who produced or who directed Dagon, Stuart Gordon. Of course, he did more H.P. Lovecraft. Of course, for, of course, for for, for that. Then he was the only one who could. Yeah, yeah, who could do it successfully. And then the third episode, you got you got Toby Hooper, right? And then who's going to follow that? Dario Argento. Who's going to follow that? Mick Garris, right? Who's going to follow Mick Garris? You could almost guarantee, you know, who's going to be next? Joe Dante. I feel like those dudes are conjoined, you know, joined at the hip. And actually, this third guy too, John Landis, followed (laughs) Joe Dante. Guess who followed John Landis? Wes Craven. No, John Carpenter. <laughs> wow. And then and then what's funny is I was gonna make a joke here. The guy who followed uh John Car- Carpenter would be William Malone, but he actually <laughs> did at first I was like, who's that? And then yeah, I, I looked it up. He did he did the House on Haunted Hill remake. Oh yeah. That's awesome. And uh, fear dot fear.com. And then um Lucky McGee, he did that film May, which I always saw the poster for but never saw. Oh May is awesome. Uh Larry Conan. Uh, followed him up, yep. and then uh, John McNaughton. Oh, that guy did Henry for Portrait of a Serial Killer. And then the last one, the guy I would never go get a manicure pedicure with, Takashi Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Rounded it out. And honestly, I don't know if there's ever been... Like, there have been good horror anthologies since. Like we really like we like we had uh, Aaron Kuntz on from uh, uh, Scare Package. Like we really really enjoyed that. Of course, there's Trick or Treat and like um, you, you got the VHS series and that kind of stuff. Um, Shutter Scream Show unfortunately doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> which they are advertising a new season, and I'm like, why are you gonna do this to me, guys? Why are you gonna do this to me? You're gonna release another season. It's probably not gonna be you know that good. Um, but. Which is funny because I did buy some creep show merch, but it, but it doesn't look like, but it doesn't look, it's not Shutter's creep show. It's just it's just regular creep show. It has the, you know the old stuff on there. Um, but I don't think there's been anything as ambitious since Masters of Horror. And what's what the other good thing about it is that they titled it Masters of Horror, and then they literally went out and got the Masters. And they of did Horror. it right. Like that's that's so often not what like happens. like even if you don't like all of them. Like I remember I watched a few that I thought were just okay. But it was cool to see like an actual master of in the genre. You know, take a stab I, I gotta tell you, man, I I I love horror anthology books. I will buy them on any subject, and I read all the classics, like the Shadow series and all that. But and I, but even the themed ones, like you know, Haunted House or Vampire Anthology or whatever it is, I love that stuff, right? But. The best anthologies aren't the one where they're end to end good. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. Let me say over time, you think that's what you want as a consumer. You think I, I'm I'm giving you my money. I'm giving you my money. I want twelve, you know, great stories because you know. But the ones you're gonna the the books that you'll cherish, the ones you really remember, are the ones that have like two of the best you've ever encountered and a couple of like what the hell. <laughs> are these all right like for some reason because it's an anthology it does better 
by giving itself that room to be whatever it wants to be, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's like us during a work week. Sometimes you're on, sometimes you're off. Like sometimes you're on your game. Sometimes you're not. Okay. So he's pretty much knocked out my love for masters of horror and how I think it was the, well, you cheated what, is what happened. Yeah. I, I was trying to be like, you know, I got a Neil Marshall and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come from the top rope and hit you with John Carpenter. <laughs> oh, George, most of amazing talent. You, I need, can't be with. you need to you you need to remember to expect the unexpected. You know, that's just a tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's a pretty good winner of horror, but I have. Oh, geez. It you always do this when we play poker. By the way, this is what you always you always do is when we play poker, and is you have the worst tell, and I fall for it every time. You go, <laughs> no, no. I actually, I think your answer is better this time. I don't think it's a question of of like that. I think it's more. Um, I, <laughs> to me, it's not about that. It's that my scorecard reads it a little differently because. Um, I have the winner of 2005 in horror as the devil. Um, Very you know, sneaky, sis. And I'm gonna try. <laughs> I'm gonna try to argue this um, because of the Haley's comet rarity of what <laughs> actually happened here in this year that we don't really talk about as horror fans, right? Because. If I was to tell you, like, what could you, you know, make it a difficulty level of, like, nine, right? I mean, difficulty mm-hmm. level of of remaking something like House on a Haunted Hill is, like, a six. Because it's a classic, and it's got a classic irreplaceable actor. It's actually got a, a few of them. But um, as long as you have a fun haunted house horror vibe to something... There's a big chunk of horror fans that are going to like that, right? So, but to to do what was going on here is kind of remarkable. So, first of all, it is almost impossible to conceive of making a good exorcism movie in the year 2005, mm-hmm. right? Like Blair Witch and all that and the exorcist and everything that had come before it just showed you that the odds were if you were making a, if you were like hearing a rumor that a horror was about to drop a new exorcism movie on you, you were way more likely to get the devil inside <laughs> than you were to get something good That's or you're, true. or you're, or you're going to get the right, or you're going to get something medium like deliver us from evil, which is okay, but not, you know, anything exciting. Right. And if you're going to get something great, it's not going to be an exorcism level great, right? It's going right. to be, it's going to be, we'll make it great, but we'll make it great in a way where it's, you know, demons, but now James Wan is hitting you with his twist of demons. And now you're just in the Wanniverse and you're not even thinking about it as an exorcism movie anymore. No, right? you're running so, backwards, <laughs> trying to cut out the cancer. See our last episode. If you but, want to exactly. <laughs> the last episode. But exorcism of Emily Rose is a really incredibly well-made um, horror movie, but it's also a courtroom drama. And it, it found a new idea in the exorcism formula. And that happens about as often as you think it would, right? Because yeah. even the good kind of takes on exorcism, they, they don't do anything 
that it's really shocks you or you haven't seen before. Even Exorcism 3, which we all love and I think is a far better movie than Exorcism Evelyn Rose, just, you know, pound for pound. Um, it, it's, it's twist on it is it's two actors instead of one. He's one person inside of someone else. And that idea, to be honest, is kind of dumb. Yeah. It, the reason it works is because those actors are kind of amazing, right? Right. So, so they pull it off because it gives you an excuse to have these hauntingly incredible performances. But Jennifer Carpenter and Exorcist of Emily Rose just did. She was a special effect in and of herself. On top, of I was going to say, right? I was going to, I was definitely planning on interrupting you to say uh, Jennifer Carpenter won two thousand five because she went from. Uh, that movie to wreck the American <laughs> yep. remake, yeah, and, and then around that same time, I think is when she was doing Dexter, right? <laughs> a, little, right? a little bit after, right? a little bit after that, I think. So, uh, yeah, no, she she no, it. she was on a streak, right? Yeah, so then real. the devil has like one of the best actors working in their in their pocket. They have a really incredible performance from Tom Wilkinson as a as a you know. It, it, doing two things, doing a traditional exorcism movie, but doing a, 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 a court, almost like a 12 angry men <laughs> thing. Right. right. And, and my heart, there's a, the, there's a book called the, the son of the endless night by John Ferris. Who's a great horror writer. He's actually one of That's Stephen a King's sick title. It's a great title. And wow. it's, he, he's one of Stephen King's favorite writers. Actually. A lot of people think he's a formative influence on King and he, um, he busted out this incredible book, but it's like 800, 900 pages long. It's, it's a giant. Oh, wow. It's one of those huge uh, books, but it's weird that it's worth it. But I remember reading it and just being baffled by what the hell is this? Because it, it felt like reading Law and Order <laughs> for big chunks of it. It, it was so strange. But then when, it, when they dragged the devil into the courtroom, in that book, the devil's actually on the stand and he reveals himself on the stand, right? Wow. So it's a very interesting. Uh, did he you know, did he dynamic. did he say the thing that they always make you say in court? You swear to tell the truth, God. <laughs> he looks in the camera, and goes, "Yes, <laughs> <laughs> sure." That would have been awesome. So not only did the devil get this, but burying the lead, the devil gets Peter fucking Stormare doing Constantine. The, the, one of, if not the greatest performance as the devil in cinema, like ever, right? And this is someone who had to stand toe to toe with Walter Houston from Devil and Dan Webster and Pacino and De Niro and Angel Heart and just a cavalcade of incredible performances. Viggo Mortensen's Prophecy, which is an amazing one. Like, there's a lot to compete with here, but um, this is an incredible portrayal. Of the devil, just like unforgettable, and he's such an interesting actor, one of my favorites. So, you, the devil gets the, the great representation <laughs> in the form of Peter Stormare and a great ambassador in the form of Jennifer Carpenter. So, basically, um, you know, after the taking a real reputation nosedive after the satanic panic, um, and being made ridiculous in a lot of like bedazzled and little Nicky situations. <laughs> The they devil gave the devil a little ass. The devil showed and South Park. The devil showed some teeth again, finally. So the fact that uh, that he was able to make a comeback or she was whatever you want to call it, I think it's an incredible uh, year for the devil and uh, 
that's always good for horror fans. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think I think anthologies and the devils are pretty. Those are those are or masters of horror and the and the devil are two pretty uh pretty solid places. Pretty killer play. things to win a year to be. <laughs> totally, but I don't think. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I actually I was really excited when you. I didn't know you were saying masters of horror, and that's a pretty goddamn interesting thing to think about because you forget. Yeah, it, well, the weird thing is, it's almost like you have to time travel, right? Because now mm-hmm. we just assume that the quality on TV and TV shows is going to be better, if not if not better, at least right. as good as good as movies. But back then, that would have been like a real sucker punch. So no one would have expected the best thing in horror to be on TV, <laughs> right? That Seriously, wasn't how they were feeling about it in two thousand five. So uh, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, what a what a kind of an interesting year. So, I think uh, I think you're just as curious as I am as to what the people on Facebook. Are you yeah, listening for Facebook? sure. Yeah, absolutely. If if you're right, exactly. If you're following the page, come tell us what you think it won the year. Well, if they're listening on Facebook, they can just comment. That's the cool thing. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they cut out the middle, man. You can just you yeah, can just no do middle. it. If that's where you're hearing this, just let, drop us a comment and let us know. I, there's two things that I'm curious about. One is who won horror 2005 by your lights, which would be really interesting. The other one is what year should we do next? Right. That's a like, good, that, I like I'd that. love to, I'd love to get a nomination or get some votes on to see. Cause I mean, if it's an overwhelming vote, we'll just do what you guys pick. So I'm really curious to see what year people would find interesting where it's not like just blindingly obvious <laughs> who won the year i don't think there's that many of those years some of them that even look like that aren't that right i don't no. think i you would think jaws won 75 but you you can make the not quite horror argument you could find some other really amazing stuff at 75 well so. i'll tell you this every every episode i talk about itunes reviews we hit 50 finally oh shout out to we yeah the, shout out to shout, shout out, out to, to round numbers shout out to round the round numbers <laughs> And if you're listening on Facebook and you really, really enjoyed it, uh, an iTunes review is always pretty helpful. So <laughs> hopefully you listening on Facebook. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be seeing more of our posts there because we don't we don't for a fact the podcast is being pumped out through Facebook more so than iTunes. Yeah, go go figure how would we would end up in that world where where I like iTunes wasn't a wasn't as viable as, a, <laughs> as right? your Facebook watch, which I still have trouble finding on my phone. It is it is very weird, it's but a, weird. We're, weird it's, a, it's a weird world, but I know. But absolutely, let us know what you think. And uh, I'm I'm also really curious about the the what they thought won, especially if if it's not just a single movie or artist or book, because there's going to be some fun notions in there. I am sure. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Well, until next time, stay scary. Watch a bunch of horror movies, and we'll talk to you guys next time. 